I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? We're back, second day of the week, into week three of the season. Big man, how you doing? Yeah, all good. It's it's flying by, really, when you come to think about it. Like, it, we're already like a good amount of the season, like done, really. When you think about it, it's, it's so early, but it's an eight for the season, which is just crazy. Like when you put it like that, so. Yeah, it, it, I mean, obviously there was a lot of uh, a lot of storylines. It was great to watch, but man, I'm just excited. The season is here, you know, and uh, I, I'm sure I'm probably a little bit more positive than than you are today, given what's happened with with Denver versus what's happened with with Tampa. So, uh, I mean, you must be quite despondent with some of the news that's come out in the last 24 hours. Yeah, I mean, two tough losses, one last minute walk off to Goskowski and the Titans and then a really good display against the Steelers, I thought, on Sunday, considering Drew Locke was out early, Cortland Sutton wasn't himself and we still managed to hang with them for most of the game. So that was positive. But then, yeah, the news of Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton's injuries recently in, like you say, in the last 24 hours have hit hard, especially with Von Miller also missing the season already. It's just what was a positive season and... I mean, there's still much we can take from it, but it's just not the excitement that we wanted at the beginning of the season as a Broncos fan. But I guess 
that's with no preseason. Preseason, we've seen loads of this already, I and mean, we like this week's mental for injuries, and it's just unfortunate some of them were Broncos. Yeah, I just can't believe that that you know that there's so many great players that have gone down. Like we know injuries happen, but it just seems to be like the really impacting players have all gone down and we'll get into it in the show I talked a little bit about it on the on the waiver wire pod but it's just it's just like crazy there'll be so many fans across the league and injuries is the one thing that we absolutely hate about about this sport and it just seems like it's just going to make it a bit not unbearable but it's going to make it a lot harder this year because some of the people we we want to you know watch and see we're not going to get to see um, you know, Von Miller, you mentioned uh, some of the players would talk about injury-wise coming up, done for the year. I, it's just a really difficult time because, you know, we knew there was going to be injuries. We've talked about it on the show, but it, it's just going to be a hard watch for some fans. There'll be some fans, Giants fans, be very despondent, Panthers fans despondent. You know, Denver fans, the same. 49er fans getting a win, but they've got a lot of players that they've lost now for the season. It's just, It's just really difficult. Um, to be out there, but but nothing compares more. And I, I didn't put this in the show notes, but I got some news uh, a, a little while ago. So we play in a a Twitter experts league with a bunch of people from from the US, um, and uh, the co-host of the uh, Superflex show uh, by the name of James the Brain. Uh, he um, was in this. He's actually the defending champion of this league. This is the league that we we tanked in well i got some sad news literally not that long ago saying that he he passed away on saturday it was a complete shock to to everyone and uh john hogu hosts the show had spoken to him a, a little bit um we talked to jay's like through messenger don't really like know him really well but it's really sad news it's ripped through our sort of fantasy community so you know while there's injuries and you know we're using football as escapism and these injuries are definitely going to hurt people's feelings um and definitely sort of ruin potential games they might watch there's also a lot of real life consequences going on with coronavirus with people losing loved ones and, and to hear someone so um impassioned and infused in our in our community to to lose their life it, it's it's really really sad i don't know the details as to why but yeah rest in peace james and didn't know you that well but um you know we we did play in the league together we i think we did a trade together um uh, it's just it's just really sad news and it kind of hits home that you know whilst all this stuff we're about to talk about is really important and and fun and and things that we absolutely love you know minus the injuries of course there's also a lot of other stuff and I just wanted to say that because it's been on my mind the last couple of hours I didn't even text you about it because um I know we've just both been so busy today but yeah not just uh yeah sad news mm, absolutely that is terrible and, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to his family and friends. Yeah, and to, and to John Hogan, who he co-hosts the Superflex show with, and and everybody else. I'm sure there'll be some ways that uh, people can contribute if they want to to his family. Or I appreciate that a lot of people probably don't know who he is listening to this, but those of you that do, it's just it's it's a, it's a sad thing, especially when you're you know, it's the second year in a row we've we played in the league with somebody and they haven't made it to the end of the season, and uh, that's. Really heartbreaking because we're not that old, and yeah. the people we're playing with aren't on that old, and we shouldn't be thinking about these sorts of things. But yeah, rest in rest in peace, James. This one's for you. Absolutely. Well, Murph, we do have some 
some better news in that we've got some winners of the full 10 yards giveaway. Yeah, that's right. So we rolled it over. We took people who sent us DMs or people that are involved with with five yard rush and, and they either, you know, took advantage of uh, the offers or they, you know, they contribute to the podcast or they did something uh, worthy of, of claiming the prizes. And we asked people to get involved and I'm not going to lie, we were a little disappointed with the, the level of responses that we had, especially as it was the pinned tweet. It was pretty easy to, to find. Um, but we do have two very worthy winners. So um, at Matt Inkster, at AVFC JPS, uh, it's James and Matt. Congratulations, you two will win the physical copies of the Fancy Football Playbook. So I'm going to speak to Tim over at the full 10 yards um, and he's going to uh, arrange for those to, to make their ways to your doorstep so you'll have something nice to read, uh, hopefully in the very near future. So well done, guys. Yep, congratulations, fellas. Right, Murph, we've got our boatload of news to get into. So uh, I suppose let's get into it. Fly straight through this. So, um, you know, we've already talked about somebody who's who's lost their life. And and I wanted to start this not necessarily with the most important injury, but probably the most important scratch of of the weekend, not from a player perspective, but as, as to why. And that's with... James White, um, I actually went to bed before this game, so I woke up to this news. I didn't didn't hear about it. And I took him out of a lot of lineups, not because I knew anything was coming, but just didn't think it was the best play. But to find that he was inactive because he lost his father in an auto accident and his mother's in critical condition and, and not out of the um, realms of possibility of, uh, of losing her life either. So she's got quite a battle on, on her hands. So... Really gutting news for for James White. Must have been told about this very, very last minute. Um, and, you know, thoughts go out to, to his family. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's absolutely um, devastated. And, and, you know, there's no way you can you can play a game when you are hearing that news so close to, to kickoff. Because, like I said, I went to bed probably an hour and a bit before kickoff and, and that news hadn't broken. Maybe he knew at that point. I don't know, but... Yeah, very sad news. Yeah, absolutely incomprehensible, isn't it? Unless you've been through that sort of thing yourself, you just can't imagine the the absolute horror that that would be. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've been in that situation now. I lost my father fifteen years ago, um, and it, very different. We weren't very close, so I kind of got the news, and I I I, I went to work. You know, I couldn't afford not to go to work. Um, but your head's not in it, like. You, as much as you try and fake it till you make it, it doesn't really work. And it's very different. Me, I was working in a pub at the time as an assistant manager, and you know, I'd, nothing really consequential. If I don't work, nothing bad happens. James White, obviously, it's a national televised game. If if he's not really in it, he could get very seriously hurt. And mm. um, you know, he's got his own health and well-being and things. So you know, he he definitely made the the right decision there. And because um, you know you can't comprehend how you deal with that in the moment. And each person deals with it differently. And anybody, and I saw some horrible things on Twitter saying he should have played, um, which I think is disgusting. And I think anybody that has that just has absolutely no love for, for this sport um, or for people in general. Um, yeah. But I woke up to people like complaining, they lost their weeks to, um, to James White not playing. And that, that, that information should have been leaked soon. And like, just, if you're going to write something on Twitter, just, just read it back before you send it because <laughs> things like that just aren't helpful. And um, yeah, thoughts go out to James White. Cause that's a, that's a difficult thing to, to go through. And 
Yeah. Do you know what? If even even if I had lost a, a fantasy week to, to James White losing his dad, do you know what? I wouldn't have cared in the grand scheme of things. Like there are no, yeah. things far more important than than a game of fantasy football as much as we love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're tweeting about it in a way that it is you've considered it to be affecting your life, maybe you should consider what things what you're going through yourself and what why that affects your life in that way, because it surely it shouldn't. And you need to have a little look in the mirror and work out what's going on. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like you just gotta, your life can't be that great. That that is the worst thing that's going on in your life. Yeah. So just and and you know what? even if it is, then just just keep your mouth shut because there's a lot of people going through a lot of things right now. And I'm not trying to bring the the the, the down on on the podcast. It'll get a lot more humorous if you've turned off because there's been a lot of bad news in the last few minutes. So I apologise. We just sort of reporting what's what's going on and and people that we know, etc. But yeah, I just. Um, yeah i just i just hope people realize that you know th- there's just some really it's just not the right way to to do things absolutely moving on los angeles rams running back cam Akers suffered a rib injury in the first quarter and did not return against the eagles malcolm brown and devin no not devin singletary darrell henderson did the damage in the rams win over the eagles haven't seen anything about this one is it bad math not not seen too much of an update, but given the fact that ribs and 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 you think about a running back in particular, you know if it's a bruised rib, you might miss a week, maybe two. Um, if it's you know broken ribs, probably about the same. It it really depends on how it affects him. It it, it can be all sorts of different kinds of injuries. Um, so I think it's an interesting. One, I, th- I think for now, you're going to look at that. You've got to work on the expectation. He's probably going to miss two weeks um, and see what happens from there. But Darrell Henson looked good. For the first time in his career, he actually looked um, he actually looked really good. And he, him and Michael Brown, I think, are two players who could be fantasy relevant. I said this in the in the podcast that went out yesterday, that I think um, if, you, if Darrell Henson is free in your league, you should probably consider adding him um, because I think he's going to keep Cam Akers out of that job potentially if he takes the most um, the most of his opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I could, it, they could possibly be the kind of guys, him and Brown, who flip-flop each week and you play the wrong one each week. It's, they've got that certain feeling about them for me anyway of the Rams backfield currently without Akers. This one is near and dear to my heart. Green Bay Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams suffered a hamstring injury in the second half against the Lions and did not return. I had an absolutely brutal week injury-wise in my home dynasty league, but no one wants to hear about my team. Any news on Adams' hamstring, Murph? No, if it's a hamstring injury, again, you're looking at likely uh, a couple of weeks. I'm just going to do a quick search to see if that's come out. It does seem to be, though, that it is lower leg and soft tissue injuries that are the, the main injuries of concern at the moment with what we talked about a couple of weeks ago with no preseason and training and stuff. it Hamstrings seem to be tearing at an alarming rate. Yeah, absolutely. I, the one thing I would say with, with Devontae Adams, and, and this isn't um, a massive slight against him, just something that I have always been aware of with Adams, Adams kind of went as off as the consensus wide receiver too. And with his talent, I, I agree he probably is that. But Adams always seems to miss a couple of games a season. Mm-hmm. 
Like he has that tag, and it's why for me I couldn't draft him over a Julio Jones or even a DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe this year I might have done more given that Hopkins moved teams, although that seems to be working out really, really well. Yeah. And yeah, Adams is always going to, he's always sort of had this history of soft tissue injuries. And this one I, I probably would put down to a lack in conditioning and, and everything. And there hasn't been any sort of official update yet. So hopefully he gets, uh, he gets better really quickly and comes back on the field and, and only has to miss out um, a week maximum. Um, because I, I do think he, he probably isn't going to play this week as a result of that injury. It'd be a surprise. Yeah. Los Angeles Chargers quarterback Tyrod Taylor did not play after suffering a chest injury before Sunday's kickoff. This was a surprise against the Chiefs. Taylor was sent to a local hospital for evaluation after experiencing difficulty breathing, but he was discharged Sunday night. So rookie Justin Herbert started in Taylor's place. And I thought Justin Herbert did a pretty good job. I thought he was terrific. I thought he was really, really good. And that's it for Tyrod Taylor in, in, in LA now. Um, unless Herbert gets injured, which, you know, with the way players are going down, that's always a possibility. But I, I can't see Herbert losing his place now. You know, people look at rookie performances and, and rookie first games and, and they judge them however they like. Justin Herbert probably found out he was starting at most 20 minutes before the game. Because at five at, um, at kickoff time, an hour before kickoff, he didn't know because Tyra Taylor was out there. So it would have been at some point between there and 20 minutes before the officiating crew, uh, the, sorry, the commentating crew didn't know that was happening. They had spoken to Tom Telesco. They'd spoken to the coaching staff. Tyrod was the starter. Um, and they thought he was just coming in as like almost like a gadget trick play when they called it. It's like, oh, Justin Herbert's out for the first play. And they kind of thought like, oh, well, maybe he's just going to get one play. And, oh, he's staying out here. Like they didn't know. Yeah. So to perform to the level he did, and listen, did he, did he make a mistake? Yes, he did. But I thought with no prep, no game plan, no no time to really accept the fact he was he was starting an NFL game for the first time in his career, I thought he was terrific. And, you know, I think I've always sort of undenied on Herbert, but I, definitely through the draft process, he, he um, grew on me a lot more. And I think he has the attributes and tools to be a, a reasonably good NFL starter. And yeah. yesterday proved it. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the main draws on him coming into the draft process and before that was his maneuverability and athleticism. And absolutely. he proved that yesterday with a great rushing touchdown straight out the gate. So First drive. Yeah. yeah. First drive is an NFL quarterback and he runs it in. And that's uh, that's all it works. That's all, you know, the easiest way to silence critics in the NFL is to go out there and do the things that they say you can't do. Yeah. And, uh, and Justin did it immediately. Yeah. And, 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 and to be honest, I think he looks very similar to how Tyrod Taylor is, but more dynamic. He seems to have really good control. He, um, he's got a great arm. Um, I thought for what he did, I think it was a, a her- almost heroic performance and they were unlucky to lose that game. Yeah, they were considering the chiefs went, I think first forward series without, they punted it on all four series. I think three and out, three yeah. and out, three and out, three and out. Yeah. And Justin Herbert looked like he had a really good touch on the ball as well yesterday, which I was massively impressed. But um, yeah, I think he he showed that he is an NFL level quarterback, and you know whether he's going to be um, a great quarterback that remains to be seen. I'm not going to put the pressure on the guy, but he can play, and he is he's worthy of a starting place. And I'd expect him to continue in that job. And he makes an appearance in the waiver wire this week if you need a quarterback. 
spoiler alert. I think it's good for him. I think it's good for him and proving his draft capital right. You know, I think it's good for the league. I listen. I've got nothing against Tyra Taylor. I think Tyra Taylor is a good professional. Um, so hard knocks. There's a lot to like about Tyra Taylor as the person. Tyra Taylor as the football player does bore me. It is boring to watch, and he, it's effective. I can't knock it, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to watch it every week. And I think Herbert gives you a little bit more, and I think he's just a bit more dynamic. He just has a bit more to him. Um, I think he's better pass for the ball. I think he's just got more weapons. And he just was a bit more exciting to watch. Um, so for me, and I think Chargers fans would agree, uh, the future looks bright with, with Justin Herbert, at least for the short term. I don't want to heap too much pressure on him. Absolutely. Let's go to New York and the Giants. Now we'll start with Sterling Shepard. He exited with a toe injury, which is now believed to be turf toe. So that could be several weeks missed from Sterling Shepard. And uh, the main news coming out of New York Giants is that running back Saquon Barkley has suffered a torn ACL. I think that's just been confirmed through MRI. He's done for the year. Done for the year. So if you took Saquon number two, I mean, if you think uh, people were taking Michael Thomas five fifth overall, Three of three of the top five players are going to miss weeks, if not the season, which is just mind-boggling, absolute mind-boggling. And there's nothing you could have done about this. the The only thing I would I would say, and I'm not critical of, of New York, given how this is, he got banged up on an earlier play, probably about three or four minutes before he got the the injury that 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 tore his ACL, and he got severely banged up on that play. Um, I think he had like a shunt with the, the elbow. He sort of went down his elbow and his like shoulder went straight up and I thought he might have dislocated his shoulder. He missed uh, a series or two and then he came back into the game and then got injured. And they're two completely you know, unrelated injuries. But the thing I would just be a little bit worried about is just that if a player's got banged up, was he rushed into the game too soon? I'm not, the, the two aren't linked. They're not the same injury. But was his, his head ready, like football ready? That would be the questions I'd be asking um the giant staff because you know he's he's got absolutely whacked there and, and that's it and and that's for sterling shepherd for a fantasy prospect anyone with turf toe philip lindsay's got it uh, you can cut him i think because i think by the time he overcomes that it, 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 it's weeks it's not days and and i can't remember the last time i saw a player with turf toe ever come back and be the same player in the same season mm-hmm and what I the things I noticed about Saquon's injury was, and because I saw that one live, I was actually watching Red Zone when that happened. It didn't look normally when you see an ACL go, you can see the ACL injury. This didn't look to me, you know, I, I'm not saying I've been well, I have been there, but I was on a motorbike, so I didn't see mine go. But I've seen a fair few in the NFL and college now, and it didn't look when I saw it, I struggled to see it happen, which is obviously bad because it means that sometimes these injuries aren't immediately visible on replays and stuff and players might not have the sympathy or perhaps they might be told to get back up and go back out there if people haven't seen it as bad. And then I also thought Saquon, he was looking to get to the outside on the play. The coverage was there and he was almost running he should have turned up field and, and tried to get one more yard, yard rather than try and beat the guy to the outside because he didn't have the angle to beat the guy. And I think had he have turned up field and tried to bury his shoulder into the guy and get another yard or even go down where he was, it might not have happened. But his eagerness to get to the outside, even under good coverage, could possibly be the reason why he got his leg caught. 
but and and that's what I that's what I go back to with this. When you get hurt in a play, in any sport, there is a bit of rust, the, the a bit of shock. I don't know, and I think you've got to analyze when is the right time to put a player into a game after they've exited a game. And I just don't know. And I, what you've said there is, is a hundred percent spot on. Was his head a hundred percent there or was he still thinking about the last play and getting injured? I'm not saying it from like a, Oh, well he shouldn't go in at any point because he suffered an injury, but he's actually fine. I'm saying it was so short in between. It was a couple of minutes did he have enough time to be fully assessed with his head rate? And listen, I, I I could be wrong here. I could be well off base. He could have been absolutely fine. It's a mistake made. But if Sands and Butts, it's a shame to lose Saquon Barkley. He's an absolute talent. And those that have drafted him, you know, I, I put it in the waiver wire column. You have a right to feel sorry for yourself. But at the same point, one player doesn't make your team. You have to rebuild, and there's opportunities to rebuild via via the waiver wire. So, um, the one thing about Saquon Barkley that is interesting was not long after the game, and this is why I talked a little bit about the the headspace. He deleted all his pictures on Instagram of him in Giants uniform and anything related to the Giants, and he seemed to be extremely pissed off with the Giants organization. These players do this in Instagram. You know, Adam Robinson did it a couple of weeks ago or last week, and he, uh, you know, got some assurances and new deals coming. And, and Saquon Barkley's obviously just making a point. But to do it so soon after you've been ruled out with an, with an ACL tear, you might not have had it confirmed at that point, but he, he obviously knew. It makes me think that maybe he didn't want to go back into the game at that point either, or there was something about the way that his injuries were handled that made him very unhappy because I don't understand why a player who has just suffered a season ending injury would do that unless they were extremely unhappy about something in the moment. Mm. And that that's why I asked that question. And again, I don't know. I don't have any inside information. I'm just connecting some dots here. There were just a few things you mentioned, you know, about him going outside. I noticed that too, um, making the wrong decision on the play. And it was, a, it, you know, a, it was almost like a rookie error, someone trying too hard, which, Saquon Barkley doesn't need to do. Yep. And then you put that in with the tear ACL, with the injury shorthanded, and then the you know deleting pictures of, of Instagram. And I might be well off base here again and might have this completely wrong. This is my opinion and how I see things. I just think that he is unhappy with the way that that situation was handled. And uh, it's an awkward situation for, for everybody involved, but we hope Saquon is, is, is good to go for next season. And, we wish him all, all the best. Yeah, I suppose the silver lining is, is week two. So given a, a full timeline of recovery for the ACL, I imagine training camp next year is not an unbelievable target for him to try and aim for with this ACL injury. Moving on to from the number two overall pick to the number one overall pick and Carolina Panthers running back CMC exited early against your beloved Bucks Murph with an ankle injury. He's believed to be out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Yeah, unbelievable, really, when you when you think about it. You lose Saquon Barkley and you use Christian McCaffrey about an hour later. Just brutal how, how it's panned out. Mm. Um, and I saw the play he was injured on. The unfortunate thing for, for them is, is that Carolina were making a comeback. 
CMC had scored two touchdowns and they were they were making a comeback in a game they had no right to to make a comeback in. They were twenty one nothing down at, at half time. And I just again sliding doors moment. If it's still twenty one nothing, I don't think Christian McCaffrey gets injured. And I'm not saying he takes it easy, but I think the play calls would have been slightly different. The intensity would have been slightly different at that stage of the game. So it's amazing that they pushing to try and get into the back into the game that they get it to within a score. Um, maybe it was ten points at the time, but it was it was still closer than it had been at any point in the game. And he's almost like trying so hard to to get his team back in because of the way that he had been. He'd already got two scores, and and then he gets injured. It's just absolutely brutal um, that that has happened to him. And you know he's an unbelievable player and. I know he plays for uh, you know a rival, but you, again, you never want to see injuries. And let's hope it's four weeks because he's he's had a pretty good injury profile in his career so far. And hopefully that ankle sprain means he can be back in in week seven and and not you know week eight, week nine. And what does this do for the rest of the Carolina Panthers fantasy wise? I mean, well, you're fact- all in on Mike Davis, really. That is kind of the way that it goes. Um, Mike Davis came in and was very good. So he played 19 snaps. Um, he made one rush, uh, caught eight, eight balls in, and uh, 77 yards. Um, so he, he looked very good, um, Mike Davis. And he, as I said on the pod yesterday, he looks, he's always been pretty good. I thought he was pretty good in, in Seattle uh, when he was there. Um, he had a flash week one, I think, last year when he was there. Um I quite like Mike Davis. I don't think I like him as a season-long option, but I think in fantasy football, I think if 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 my fab money and you're looking at the situations we've got, Lewis Wayne Gorman, Mike Davis, it's definitely Mike Davis over the three of those um, for me. I think there's a few other players I would probably take over 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 them, um, but I I think Mike Davis. I don't want to come in and say he's a, he's a league winner, but I think of the three, he's got the characteristics more likely to be someone who can return running back one, running back two numbers than, than Wayne Gorman and, and Dion Lewis. Um, especially as, you know, Devonta Freeman's going to go and visit the, the Giants. So um, I think there's just less guys on the street if that move happens for, for Mike Davis. And, and they also have... Um, Actually, I don't think Reggie Bonifonte there got cut. So I don't think he's got a lot of competition. Curtis Samuel might become more relevant and, and take some snaps out of the backfield and some gadget plays. But, I mean, with the way that Teddy Bridgewater plays, he targets running backs quite a lot, especially in the passing game. Um, they're not going to run the ball tons because they're going to be mm. behind in so many games. That that defense is, is pretty bad. And, and they and you know, the Panthers, for me, are, are definitely in the race to the, the number one pick. You know, they, they turned the ball over four times yesterday. Um, yeah, uh, and it's, it's very probable that they can do that most weeks. And you know, they they've got a lot of players there that that are getting up to speed, NFL speed. You've got a new a new coach. It's it's just going to be a really difficult year for Panthers fans. And Christian McCaffrey was kind of that that one silver light. I think you know DJ Moore will be more than he'll probably see an uplift. Curtis Samuel will be more relevant, but Mike Davis is is the one that you want to own in that situation now. Hmm. Moving on to Indianapolis, the Colts' safety, Malik Hooker, is feared to have torn his Achilles and will have an MRI. He had an MRI on Monday to make a full determination. That's by Ian Rappaport. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Malik Hooker too, always seems to be injured. He always seems to get 
some sort of injury, but that is that is again a really bad one. So again, I've never really known that too many players to have torn Achilles, and and yet we've had two in a couple of weeks now. So terrible news. Yeah. And on top of that, wide receiver Paris Campbell did not tear his ACL while suffering a leg injury that saw him carted off the field against the Vikings. But he will have an MRI to determine the full extent of his injury. I think that's come back. No, he has suffered a PCL. And so he is out indefinitely. Yeah. Ah, the twin brother to the ACL. So he he has torn his PCL. So he is probably going to be out for as good as the season. Do you want to know a cool fact about when you tear your PCL, what you can do? If you sit in a chair, in a chair seated position and grab the lower half of your leg, you can move the front of your knee away from the other half of your knee. (laughs) <laughs> oh that's disgusting yeah and uh yeah i mean mine mine still does it a little bit because i've got a natural fiber in there not one of these new synthetic jobbies because because i'm getting on oh, that wasn't crazy. an option when i had mine but yeah it, when you really do it yeah it comes away like anyway moving on the uh san francisco's 49ers defensive end nick bosa has likely torn his acl is that confirmed uh i had not seen final confirmation because they are obviously later in the day i'll move on quarterback jimmy garoppolo also missed the second half suffering a high ankle sprain that's expected to keep him out next week running back maheem moster suffered a knee injury and did not play in the second half it's believed to be a mild mcl sprain but we'll have follow-up tests running back tevin coleman exited the game with a knee injury defensive lineman solomon thomas was carted off the field and did not return that was also with a knee injury in the first quarter i do have some breaking and news breathe. based on nick bosa go for it so nothing has been confirmed, but it does appear that Ziggy Ansah is going to be going to the 49ers and be picked up. Okay. So it's a, a replacement. Fairly shrewd IDP move if you're looking for an IDP guy to, to replace. Yeah, get, get him added as, as quickly as possible because, you know, he had, he had quite a career. Don't forget, this is guy's a former fifth overall pick, and I know he's he's getting on a bit, but he's not he's not that old. He's been in the league seven years, and... You know, he had 50, 50 sacks in 90 games or something like that. Um, mm. So unbelievable player. But yeah, it looks like he's going to be the replacement for, for Nick Bosa. So going straight off the street and signing someone. Um, yeah, Raheem Mostert is again another player in a running back position that is just, it's fallen so thin. This is why running backs get drafted so high is because it's such a volatile position. You've got to have a lot of them. And I've always said about the strategy, that it's the position most likely to be injured with the position of the least amount of depth. You know, once you, once you move outside the top 24 guys, it's just names almost afterwards at that point. And you know, this is why, and and we've just seen, you know, four, there's, there's three names there this week that are top, top 20 RBs gone, just gone pretty much for good amounts of portions of the league. Most that might be back in two to three weeks, maybe, but, yeah, crazy. Yep. Moving on to my Denver Broncos. Quarterback Drew Locke, as we mentioned, suffered a right shoulder injury in the first half, did not return against the Steelers. Cortland Sutton exited early with a knee injury and cramping. And then Dremont Jones, defensive end, also exited early with a knee injury. Man, there's so many knee injuries. It would not surprise me if everybody has to wear a knee brace next year or something extreme like that. Something, something like that. It's strange. Well, Gordon Sutton has, has actually torn his ACL, so he is done for the year. Um, Good. Hey, yeah. So, which is which is confirmed. Um, Drew Locke has a rotator cuff strain 
which will be two weeks. He should be back before the week eight bye. So they're saying at least two weeks. Realistically, probably three to three to four. Um, and the problem with the rotator cuff is that's on his that's on his throwing arm. Mm. So that is something that he could be out to the bye in order to fully heal because. If he goes into that and he's not fully healed, as we've seen with Cam Newton in the past, it can lead to worse injuries there. So, uh, yeah, that's a really worrying injury. And, you know, as you mentioned, you've lost Von Miller, you've lost Cortland Sutton now. I mean, I I said on the pod, I sort of added it uh, as almost a throwaway, but add um, KJ Hamler now because you might as well. This season will now be seen for the the Broncos as a let's get through it year. Um, it's going to be very hard to, in, to compete in the division with the with the Chiefs as it is, and now you've got all of this to deal with. I mean, I, I like Jeff Driscoll. He went he went to he went to Florida. He's a Gator, so I'll, I'll always sort of like the guy. But I don't think he's a guy I, I want as my quarterback for six weeks. No, and shout out to our boy Tom over at Five Yard College. He wrote an article in the off season about if Drew Lock goes down, there is no Plan B at the Broncos. And lo and behold, here we are, no Plan B, and Jeff Driscoll holding the torch so no well we sort of were chatting in in the group and we were saying right who's the best available free agent nope 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 and, nope, and nope, the, nope. the only the only name in there nope, that meets nope. any kind of profile is, is blake Bortles. no uh, so, well if i said no listen <laughs> it might not happen i i i if i'm denver i'm probably not doing it but <laughs> i'm just saying it, it could happen. My man Elway's made a few odd decisions in quarterbacks in in the past. This, this is what I mean. <laughs> I don't because I, I don't know where else you go other than that. I don't think Jeff. I mean, if you're trusting Jeff Driscoll to, oh, it must be someone from the XFL or someone knocking about. They all got signed. PJ Walker got signed by Carolina. Rosen. I mean, yeah, you could take Rosen off our practice squad. Do you think that's a better option than, than Blake Bortles? Uh, I just go with Jeff. Jeff's proven. He's proven. Oh uh, dear, what's happening here? The Atlanta Falcons believe offensive tackle Caleb McGarry suffered an MCL sprain, and he has will have an MRI to confirm it. That's from NFL's Tom Palacero. The uh, Falcons' offensive line has first-round picks taken a bit of a beating. Yeah. Um... They again, they're being banged up. They had a few more injuries in this game, but uh, the one thing that hurt more than uh, these injuries is their pride after tanking and losing from uh, twenty nothing, twenty six to seven, and twenty nine to ten were game points that they were up in that game and lost. I do have a cool stat for you. I know it's on the streets, but I, I'm going to steal this one from Mark Sessler for those that uh, listen to the Around the NFL podcast. Now, before yesterday, teams were 440-0 and 0 when scoring 39 points and having zero turnovers. Welcome to the club, Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, Atlanta really are history makers. Um, On the wrong side, the wrong side of history. I mean, listen, uh, they're Atlanta, right? Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to be respectful and take my Buccaneers hat off, but that is one of the worst defeats I've ever seen. The Super Bowl, I can half understand because of the pressure, the enormity of the situation. You've never won it. You're playing the best quarterback and arguably the best team of all time. I can kind of just take all of those things and go, the pressure got you. Like, the pressure got to you and you and you choked. Fine. Week two against Dallas, who lost week one to the Rams. I just don't get that. I don't get how you can lose 
from that situation. You fake punt twice when you don't need to. I just, I just don't understand it. Like, someone needs to explain to me how they lost that game. Somebody, you know, they don't know the rules on, on recovering onside kicks. I just, yeah, that one is absolute shambolic. I just don't understand how they lost that game. Like, and Falcons fans must have woke up this morning wanting the world to to swallow them up. Ah, just. I don't know if you've if you've got a note about Julio Jones's hamstring in this injury list, do you, Murph? No, I didn't. Really, I didn't see. Yeah, well, he played video. through it all game. So, well, that's what I thought. The fact that Julio Jones go well. was playing th- when you ever saw him not running, he was basically hobbling along, limping and, and hobbling. So, the fact that Julio's got a hamstring as well in week two is, yeah, not great. Not great. Minnesota Vikings well, linebacker Anthony Barr did not return against the Colts after suffering a, suffering a shoulder injury in the first half. Running back Mike Boone also exited early with a concussion. Mike Boone got some snaps. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of it. The game was lost, essentially. So Mike Boone's a good blocker. And so I think he's only come on to to just alleviate some of the work. Um, I don't think that's anything to worry about. I don't think he played a high percentage of snaps. Um, or it might have even been special teams work. I don't remember actually seeing him get injured. He's not really on my radar. And Watching the Vikings is pretty terrible. Oh, it's god-awful. <laughs> if you were Dalvin Cook owner, like I get they want to run the ball and stuff, but Kirk Cousins was absolutely dire yesterday. The Vikings... I mean, he had, he had one of the worst quarterback performances I have seen for, for quite some time. And the Colts don't even look good. That's the thing. The Colts did not look good yesterday when they were driving. They did not look good. They looked comfortable. They looked like they were going to win the game pretty easily, and they did. But you know, strange. That wasn't a good watch. There, there's not many times I look at a game and go, yeah, the, the, I just didn't think that was a good watch. Um, I will try and get back to it on, on Game Pass this week, but first views on it, I wasn't wasn't too enamoured by it. There were, there were better games uh, this week. They sure were. Moving on to a game that wasn't good if you were a New York Jets fan. Wide receiver Brashad Perriman exited early with an ankle injury and Chris Hogan also exited with a rib injury and did not return. For an already beat up Jets team that's pretty despondent on hope right now, that's a couple of bad bits of news right there. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I don't know what what to make of that. I mean, we've hit a run of teams that just... It just don't look good, and it's it's only two weeks. But I don't see where the Jets go from here until they they fire Adam Gates. But he he he, if he's not the first coach gone, I don't know what's happened. Yeah, because I, I I can't see him making the bye week. I really can't. I I think he's going to be gone in three four weeks time. It's whatever the the whatever is happening over there at the Jets right now. It is not good. The culture they are breeding through Adam Gates is. I didn't. I wouldn't want to be a part of it. No, no, no. And they, and they got the Colts next week. Who I right, haven't looked too great this season, but I think the Colts will dispatch them pretty easily. Yeah. I think it will be an embarrassment of riches. It, but it will be exactly like it was for the for the Minnesota Vikings last night. It'll be a death by a thousand cuts. It won't be pretty. It will just be keep going until you, they don't go anymore. I think that one. Buffalo Bills tight end Dawson Knox exited early against the Dolphins with a concussion. I think he was he having a fairly good game. I think he's looked pretty good the first two weeks, Dawson Knox. I don't think he looked too great 
Um, he definitely missed a catch. He did miss um, one absolute sitter. That was an absolute sitter. So, yeah, one to one to watch there. I I'm not convinced that Dawson Knox is a fantasy relevant tight end, but he won't be for the next few weeks anyway. <laughs> you can put that on the back burner until he comes back and proves you right again, man. Yeah, absolutely. Kansas City Chiefs defensive end Frank Clark exited early against the Chargers because of an illness, and running back Darrell Williams suffered an ankle injury and did not return. I don't know what happened to the Chiefs yesterday. Yeah, they got the dub, like we said, but the the Chargers could have won that. And the Chiefs, they looked really off. Well, I don't think they did. I I just think that you have to give credit to great defensive play that that was. They stuffed the line. They stacked the box. Um, They really, really shut down the run game, which which kind of just really stopped the Chiefs from making any progress. And they watched tape. That that defense is, is sneaky good. Sneaky good defense that Chargers D, and I think that they had momentum. They had everything going for them, and I just think they were they were a good. It was a good performance, and it took Mahomes to be at his absolute best to win that game. He made some great throws down down the stretch to to win that game. He did, he did. And then finally, in the injury news roundup, Ravens coach John Harbour has said cornerback Tavon Young suffered a season-ending left knee injury in Baltimore's win over the Texans. The name doesn't ring a bell. Is he a starting cornerback for the Ravens, Murph? Do you know? He's like the three. Um, but yeah, I mean, anytime you get a season-ending injury, it's just brutal. It just shows, again, another knee injury. How many more injuries did we have yesterday? How many knee injuries? It just was shocking. So I put it in there just because it was another season-long injury and yeah, I don't think it held much fantasy relevance, but it's still an absolute shame. Yeah. I want to I want to point out how the show notes show notes work here at 5 Yard Rush guys. We tend to put a little minute marker on the notes just to help us along and the next one is minute 25 and I think we've been going for 40 now. So you know how Murph and I roll, we start talking, we don't stop. And uh, you get what you get when you're giving it. This is fantasy takeaways. Murph, I'm going to be honest, I haven't had time to get to mine this week. So I'm going to read yours out and you're going to explain them to me. Sure, we can we can do this uh, fairly quickly. They're just little snackets, thoughts, thought bubbles, whatever you want to call them. Um, just things that I was walking away thinking of about the week two in fantasy football. Outside of all the injuries, I wanted to try and get past the injuries at the moment, yeah. and just think about the what is what's remaining, um, and think about some other stuff. So. Um, just some takeaways from the games that I've I've watched so far, and then analysing the points and and things like that. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, I I do have one takeaway in that, and uh, as much as we have enjoyed this season so far, let's not jump ahead of ourselves. It is only week two. Week three hasn't started yet, so let's focus on the week two that's 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 just happened, and and get to week three in a little bit. Murph's first one is that early round QBs, t early round quarterbacks and tight ends not paying off right now. No, and just to explain this one uh, a, a little bit. Um, so when looking at QB's season totals at the moment, so I'm just looking at the season totals, right? And I appreciate it's two games. It's it's one eight for the season. Everything can change. Um, but if you look at the performances so far, Patrick Mahomes is the eighth overall quarterback. Lamar Jackson is the tenth overall quarterback. In between them is Ryan Tannehill, who you'd got as a late round. Um, just underneath Lamar Jackson is Gardner Minshew by 0.8 of a point. Well, he's less than 20% owned now. Joe Burrow was pretty much free. He's just behind them. Um, you've got in here Cam Newton, who was essentially free. Uh, he's the third 
overall QB. Um, Josh Allen was going fairly late, not the latest, but certainly like seventh, eighth round, and same with Russell Wilson. So those two are one and two right now, and they would have sort of paid off again over those higher volume QBs. And, and listen, I know it's going to change, and I know that the cream will rise to the top. But my point is that if you've invested in these QBs, you're already kind of behind the eight ball chasing points because they're not delivering you the advantage that you have invested in. That happens one game, you go fine. That happens two games, okay, fine. But they're 20, 25 points off the pace right now, off the QB1. So they're going to need to have a monumental game to get back into the mix, and then they're going to have to score more to get your gravy on top. So it could be a quarter halfway through the season before they start getting into that upper echelon tier. But if they're not creating a massive gap, that's where you're losing. And and that's why I've always advocated, we wrote it in the book, that you cannot take a quarterback early because you need everything to go your way. And right now it really it really isn't. The same could be said for, for tight ends. So, okay, Kelsey is the tight end four at the moment, um, which is which is fine, but that's not where you've drafted him. Dallas, uh, Mark Andrews is the tight end six. You know, unfortunately, Kittle is, is injured and you can't really hold him to be fair for that. But you're looking at the guys who are dominating right now. John o, John o. Smith is the tight end one. Okay, he had a massive week last week, right? Um, Sunday. No, fan, Tyler Higby, Mike Gazicki, uh, Dallas Goddard. Jordan Reed, all these guys pretty much free. Uh, TJ Hawkinson free. Hayden Hurst was a late round guy. Hunter Henry, late round guy. John Aitkins, so he's still free in a lot of leagues. Dalton Schultz, because again, he's an injury recover. Moali Cox, Logan Thomas. Zach Ertz is 17th. Like, again, the, you're not getting the advantages. Now, Kelsey's a little bit closer to the top and he can probably get there. But yeah, I just, I know it's early. And I'm sure that the cream will rise to the top eventually. But if you're not getting advantages early on, what are you getting? Because if you've bought them just for a safe floor, then you're kind of missing the point of the game. Mm-hmm. Like you need to have high performers. So, yeah, it's not playing out right now. It'd be good to evaluate this in a couple of weeks' time with a few more data points and see where they are and, and how they're performing. We can certainly do that. We've, now we've got the idea for it. We're we should do that. Moving on to number two, and that is that wide receiver scoring is not giving the early wide receivers an advantage. Yes, it's kind of in the same vein, right? Um, but I, what's interesting is I'm going to ignore the overall season totals, and I'm going to give you week to week. So this week, okay, Calvin Ridley in half point PPR was the uh, was the wide receiver one with twenty two point nine. So he was fifth round player. Stefan Diggs later than that. Uh, Terry McLaurin, Julian Edelman, Tyreek Hill is the first one. So 16.8. Mike Evans, 16.4. Um, and they're really the only two of the high caliber players that are featuring in the top 12. New Hopkins is 13th this week, 12.8. DJ Moore, 15th, 12. Um, all the sort of big guys are are kind of missing this week. And I know Adams put a huge total up week one, um, but you say huge, it wasn't that big. Uh, he put 27.6. He was the wide receiver one. Calvin Ridley, for example. Yeah, 24. Calvin Ridley was third. Yeah, 24.9. Darius Slayton, 22.2. Robbie Anderson. And the argument will be, well, how do you pick these guys every week? Um, you, I mean, you, obviously that's a bit more of a difficult challenge, but... My point is the the elite production 
isn't isn't happening week to week and you can blame injuries you can blame game situations you can blame fixtures but my point is it's not overly happening and yes again it's two data points but if you look at the strategy of picking tight um players early where you need to be this was the year to invest in running backs even if the even if you you've picked a, a running back that's got hurt and there has been a lot of them if you went and drafted three running backs in the first four rounds, you needed to because they're the ones that are proving to be the big difference makers right now over <clears throat> what's available. And, and the other thing that's really key on this is looking at the 100-yard games. So I pulled the total, and there's been from wide receivers 22 100-yard games in the first two weeks of the season, which is down quite significantly on last season. So that's something to also be really mindful of, but also that it's more common that more players get it. Whereas you're looking at running backs, there's only nine that have delivered that, but there's a lot of nineties and eighties and the touchdowns, et cetera. It really sort of gets to a critical mass where you're at sort of 28, 30 players, it gets to 70 and then it starts to drop off a cliff. And my point on that is a lot of players are getting those hundred yard games and it's even down from last year but the running backs, those elite ones or the ones that are getting the 100-yard games, they're your league winners. Um, you look at the players that have done it this year, Aaron Jones, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Nick Chubb, Derek Henry. All right, Benny Snell, not a name that would have been highly drafted. James Connor, um, Leonard Fournette. All right, appreciate the circumstances are different to when he drafted, but he did it. Um, Jonathan Taylor and James Robinson are the only people to do it. But most of those, with the exception of Robinson, and Snell were high draft picks. And then you look at the games in the 90s, Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, um, Raheem Mostert, Elliott again, uh, Kenyon Drake. These are all the names at the top of the draft board. So these guys are rising to the top already in what they've done in their game splits. Whereas if I look at it from a wide receiver perspective, from most yards in a game, it's, you know, Julian Edelman. What was he? Eighth round guy? Mm. 179 yards. He's got the most yards in the game by a wide receiver. Then, okay, you've got Julio Jones, uh, Devontae Adams. Stefan Diggs, sixth round guy. Hopkins, Ridley, fifth round guy. McLaurin, sixth round guy. DJ Moore, fifth round guy. Jameson Crowder, 115. Ninth, tenth round guy. Robbie Anderson, later than that. Russell Gage, free. Will Fuller. Adam Phelan, okay, fine. Calvin Ridley, Robbie Anderson, C. D. Lamb, Robert Woods, okay, he was still fifth round, fourth round. Mike Evans, Darius Slayton, Corey Davis, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, and Amari Cooper. I mean, Hill hasn't done it. Okay, he got a 99-yard game. But my point is that it's not the elite guys that are putting up the numbers exclusively, whether it is in the running back position. And then it's only two weeks. So again, we, I keep repeating that, but the draft board at the moment has played out almost correctly that if you missed the boat on wide receiver and went running back heavy and stocked up with those fifth, sixth round wide receiver guys, if you've avoided the injury trades right now, you're in a really good spot. Mm-hmm. So from that analysis, that structure is, is only two weeks. It's paying off. It'd be interesting to see if you did go zero, I'll be how your season has started. Well, you might be all right, because if you've swerved the injuries and you've picked those big guys and you've got a lot of wide receivers, you've probably done okay. The ones that have really lost would have been the ones that took an elite RB early and went 
back-to-back wide receiver, wide receiver, and didn't get another running back till say, round five. Mm. So let's say they went like a CMC or Barkley. Those guys will be the ones. Over, and then went uh, back-to-back wide receiver in the next couple of rounds, and then maybe a tight end. Those guys will be the guys that are really suffering right now. Absolutely. Number three is that Murphy's all in on Joshua Kelly off the waiver wire. If he's on the waiver wire, Murph's going after him. 100%. Um, and the one thing about Joshua Kelly I really like is that he's becoming more and more relevant. So I'm just going to give you some stats as to why I'm, I'm in on, on Josh Kelly. So week one, he had four touches inside the 20-yard line, and he had three rushes inside the 10, um, and he got uh, two touchdowns, so one inside the 20, one inside the 10. Um, but he only played 18 snaps that week one, 26.9% of the snaps. He did play some special team snaps uh, as well. So whilst his performance on week two wasn't as impressive, he also got those four carries inside the 20 and the three carries inside the 10. But his snap percentage almost doubled and he played 52% of the snaps. What this is telling me is that the Chargers are going to basically use him as a banger inside the 20. He's going to get all the red zone carries um, if they're going to carry the ball, which with a rookie, that is definitely something they're going to do more of. He's becoming a much bigger part of this offense. He's already, he knows how to find the pay dirt. He didn't run particularly well, but he got quite a significant amount of catches yesterday and broke off big plays. So he's got that big playability. Um, I think if, if there's any waiver wires out there where Joshua Kelly is known, I'm aggressively hunting him because I think this, I don't think he's going to be an RB1 or a league winner, right? I do think he's got RB2 numbers uh, at a pretty consistent rate. So I, I really like Joshua Kelly not to be a huge like oh my god he's going to win me a league but I think he's just going to be an enormous value at this point on the waiver wire surprise surprise Murph the next one is Buccaneers related fire the cannons Mike Evans greater than Chris Godwin in fantasy football this one's going to seem harsh because Godwin didn't play at the weekend but when you've got a player like Brady we've seen this his entire career it's about building relationships it's about building continuity Mike Evans was banged up caught a touchdown week one all right, it was his only catch, but he made some really big plays with pass interference plays uh, against the the Saints. And in week two, he was just enormous. And he was a massive target for, for Brady, uh, led the team in targets. Um, again, another great touchdown. Brady trusts him. They have a rapport. In fact, to be honest, that's the one partnership at the moment that I think is solid in that team. And appreciate Godwin's going to come back and he's going to get his chance. But I think that that connection is already there from Brady to Evans. They are on the same page. You can see it. I know they got a little bit off page early week one. I think they've done extra training together this week. Um, But he is definitely his red zone guy. I think Mike Evans is going to be the one used to get really big plays. I think he's going to get more touchdowns. I've got no doubt in my mind if Mike Evans stays healthy, he's easily going to eclipse a thousand yards again this season. I think Chris Evans or Mike Evans finishes above Chris Godwin in the fantasy football rankings uh, this season. I don't disagree. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow your guidance on that one. Being a Super Buccaneers fan, and then the last one, Murph, is that Josh Allen can finish as the quarterback one in this year. Yeah, absolutely. So I've already talked. I think he's the QB two right now. He's right behind Russell Wilson. Um, but what we've seen from Josh Allen is we've seen just about everything. Everybody says he can't throw. He he threw for nearly 400 yards yesterday or did he break 400 yards? He had a massive game. Um, It was a game that, okay, it's Miami, but they were losing that game in the fourth quarter. He came back and he won it. 
He can run touchdowns in. He he has so many things in his arsenal right now. And now that he's got Stefan Diggs, it's literally the weapon that is going to take him over the top. Because him and Diggs have got right on page. You've got Smokey Brown in there who's done a great job. And you've got Cole Beasley, who is a three. I love, I love him as a three. I think that's a great wide receiver core. They're really playing to Josh Allen right now. And I, I think Josh Allen will easily finish in the top three, four quarterbacks. But I, I definitely can see a path to where Josh Allen finishes as the QB1 this year. Got some tough games down the stretch. But I do think that, uh, yes, okay, he has had an easy schedule so far. And I, I, I get it. And I'm trying not to overhype. But everything that he has done so far has shown me how far he has come. To and for me, when this is all said and done, he will probably be the second best QB out of that 2018 class. When you look at their career, mm. and because uh, Baker Mayfield is one to be worried about, Sam Darnold is one to be extremely worried about. Josh Rosen's on the practice squad. Yeah, and and when you think about the way people talked about Lamar going into last season, and then he had a couple of easy cupcakes to start his season, and he went off and carried it onto the season. Like you say, Josh Allen could do exactly the same thing because he's obviously made some gains in his in his ability to throw downfield in the off season because that was one of his weaknesses. I think his deep ball accuracy was something dire, like fourteen percent or something horrendous. Yeah, it, it was bad, but you have to look at who he was throwing to as well. Absolutely, that's the. And I think he proved that's... that he proved that yesterday. There was one deep pass where he was after John Brown, and I think John Brown may have got caught up on on a slightly wrong route that he was running because. Josh nearly threw an interception and the DB probably should have picked him off. But then a couple of times he picked Diggs out long down the field on deep passes and they were beautiful little rainbows and they were right on the money. So I think think he's he's going the right way. Yeah, he is. He really is. I think think Josh Allen with that rushing floor, with those rushing touchdowns, but also the fact that he's got a wide receiver that can make elite plays. I, uh, yeah, I... If, I, if I'm looking at the people who are going to challenge him over 16 games, I think Russell Wilson isn't going to quite get there. But I think he's a he's a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think he's quite in that top tier. Dak hasn't started so well. And I think that contract negotiation is something. Listen, great comeback yesterday, but it wasn't too great. Week one wasn't great in the first half of that game. You know, he's, he's put together two quarters out of eight that I think he's played pretty well in. And that was a game that was lost. Like you can play with some freedom at that point. Um, Mahomes, listen, Mahomes is an elite talent um, and very capable, but he's not looking at the, um, I don't know, the Chiefs look a bit different this year. They're, they're going for like a more efficiency kind of route than than that ball that we're going to put 50 points on everyone all week. Lamar, again, is is elite and, and they're the ones that will challenge Allen, but... I, th- I think Alan has, has got it in his arsenal to, to be right right up there. Absolutely. Right, Murph. The fans have wanted it. I can't wait for it. The streets are back, baby. Come on then. It's Murph on the streets time. What have you got for us? Okay. So um, I've got a, a few interesting stats here. Some of these you're, you're like, some of these you, you might not be big fans of, but here we go. Um, but Cam Newton has set the record for most, games with two rushing TDs as a quarterback since 1950. Um, so he passed that mark on Sunday where he had eighth career, two rushing touchdown game. Um, he was in a five-way tie, which included Hall of Famers Steve Young and Otto Graham. Um, but as a result, now he's on his own since 1950 as the most 
player with the most uh, quarterback with the most two plus rushing TD games. That's can I? Do you have anything else Cam Newton related, or can I tack on to that? No, tack on to it. So yesterday, Cam Newton accounted for ninety five point seven percent of New England's offensive yardage. Four hundred and forty four of the four hundred and sixty four yards were accounted for by Cam Newton. <laughs> Crazy. Sorry, Murph. No, that's a good stat. I didn't realize it was that high. I mean, he's he's definitely falling out up there right now. So, you know, super cam, here he comes. He's just got to stay healthy. Um, Deshaun Watson has only lost two games by more than 14 points in his career. Um, week 11 last year and week two this year, both at the hands of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Huh. Justin Herbert is the first player with a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown in the first half of his NFL debut since Bob. Clatterbuck of the New York Giants in 1954. Oh, Bob Clatterbuck, I remember that one well. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the name, that's the reason I put it in. Wow, it's a, it's a long time record, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, since Philip Rivers' first start, the Chargers had one starting quarterback over 5,116 days. Now they've had two over the last seven days with Justin Herbert getting his first start yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> There's no real meaning in that. I just thought it was funny. Um, the Packers are the eighth team in the Super Bowl era to score 40-plus points in the, each of their first two games of the season. Each of the last two such teams, the 2013 Broncos mm. and the 2009 Saints, went to the Super Bowl that season. Huh. Okay. It's also the third time in Rogers' era that the Packers have scored 40 points in back-to-back games. Each of the previous two times, 2011 and 2014, Rogers went on to win the NFL MVP award that season. That's it. I'm all in on Green Bay. I've decided. Murph's <laughs> on, the, Murph on the streets has, has made Green Bay my team to pick. Here's a good one for you. At 37 years and 129 days old, Frank Gore just became the oldest player with 20-plus carries in a, in a game in NFL history. That, that, that doesn't surprise me that it's Frank Gore. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, does it? No. I've got to find you one more. That's all right. We can wait. We've been waiting for this for weeks and weeks, months even. It's been... There wasn't a week one one, and I was disappointed, and Rush Nation were disappointed, and, and now we, we're getting the good stuff. Here we go. So, with a 75-yard receiving touchdown in week one and an 80-yard rushing touchdown in week two, Raheem Mostert sprints into the history books. Mostert is the first player with a 75-plus-yard touchdown in weeks one and two of the season since Bears returner Cecil Turner in 1970. 1970? Yeah. Crikey. Also, just some more stats on that. Raheem Mostert took the first play from scrimmage for an 80-yard rushing touchdown against the Jets. It was the first rush TD of 80-plus yards in the first 20 seconds of a game since Bob Rainey for the Buccaneers in Week 14, 2013. Also, Raheem Mostert reached 23.09 miles per hour on that run, which is the fastest ever run recorded over the last two seasons. Didn't he break that record last week as well in Week 1? And then he broke it again. Oh, man. Mostert had juice up until the moment he didn't this um, week. <laughs> hey, we had, we, we, we've got one little more segment, Murph, about burying teams' playoffs hopes. Do you want to do that this week or do you want to wait till next week? Let's do it next week because I think over three teams we can start talking about burying. Well, yeah. I hope one of them isn't orange. 
We will see. Yeah, we will see. Mate, thank you for the streets. I appreciated it. It was good fun. Good. Glad you enjoyed it. It was good to do it. It was good. Man, as always, this has been an absolute blast. I enjoyed the waiver pod yesterday. Looking forward to the in-depth pods later on in the week. But, mate, who knows what the government is going to have in store for us. So you make sure you stay safe. You too. Wash those hands. Um, was it? It's, uh, it's ridiculous is what it is. Is it space? Face. Face, space, safe, or something like yeah, that. It's, it's, like, we don't even know. Our government has put out like a saying, and we don't even know what it is, Russian Nation. That's how much we've not given up on COVID, but that's how much Basically, of a mess wear, it is. Wear masks. Stay um, away from everyone. Stay away from everyone. Don't have any fun. Go to work. Don't go to work. <laughs> no, we're not doing that again. This is not a, this is not a he said, she said. Don't, what are we talking about? Don't have any fun. Listen to Five Yard Man. We've got you covered five days a week, plus the Five Yard College Boys are over there spinning some excellent stuff whatsoever. And we're now on Amazon Podcasts. Amazon started doing podcasts, so it should be easier to find on your Alexa smart speaker. Oh, I wanted to say it then, but I've got one sat behind me and she would have kicked off and I'd be able to hear myself. <laughs> there you are, Rush Nation. If you want to hear it, talk to your Amazon device and get us in your kitchen, workspace, wherever it is you have an Alexa device. That was me pausing just to make sure she wasn't talking. Right, Rush Nation, Murph, you stay safe. And as always, don't forget, keep rushing. to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.